This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, everybody. That was Bethany Dillon with Satisfy. You're listening to Faith FM. We are about to have another clue for our quiz. Lawson, what have you got for us there? Okay. I am going to read a couple of clues. Okay. Okay. We're waiting. Here we go. Who am I? So we know that this dude he said, each of you must put to death those of your men who have joined in worshipping Baal or Peel. We know that the scripture says that no one has ever shown mighty power or performed awesome deeds that or the awesome deeds that I did. Um, who am I? I regarded regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than all the treasures of Egypt. Okay, so this person has a connection to Egypt somewhere on the mm. And here we go, another clue. Though I was 120 years old when I died, yet my eyes were not weak, nor my strength was gone. So he lived to a pretty ripe old age mm. for his era. Yeah. Uh, he lived in an era, of course, when the average lifespan was somewhere between 40 and 70. Mm. And so at 120, one would begin to wonder whether this guy was ever going to die. I mean, is he immortal? But no, he was not immortal. He did die. And uh, if you know the answer to who this might be, 1-800-324-843 or 1-800-FAITH-FM is the phone number to call. So call us right now and there'll be a prize coming your way. Or you can text us on, here it comes, 491 now, Lawson, our mm-hmm. Bible study today. What are we talking about today? Oh, we're talking about Nehemiah. We're talking about apostasy. Wow, we had such an awesome talk about apostasy yesterday. Mm. Um, actually, it was... We talked about how Lyle is feeling very convicted that he might be in apostasy. and Yes, and, 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 and Lawson. And <laughs> hey, I didn't say anything about me. <laughs> okay, so Lawson. Oh, so we talked about how Lawson was immune from apostasy. Was that it? Probably. <laughs> like, you're uh, not we wrong. Actually, we, actually, we actually talked about how that none of us are immune from apo- apostasy mm. and that we are most vulnerable to apostasy when we feel that we are immune to apostasy. And mm. so we just to cut a long story short, we found that, you know, Nehemiah had come back, he'd built the wall, he'd set up the worship of the temple, he'd put all the priests in their place, all of the singers and the Nethanim and um, had everything all, you know, had the, 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 the sacrificial system all up and running. And uh, we find that he went back to Persia, came back some years later and found that the whole thing had collapsed mm. in a very short space of time. And Elisha, the high priest, was incredibly corrupt. Um, he was related by marriage to Sambalat and Tobiah, who were two of the greatest and most lethal enemies of Judah. Mm. And as a result of that uh, relationship, the whole services of the temple had become corrupt, had become a money-making exercise, and that actually cleaned out the storehouses where the tithe was brought in for the Levites They'd cleaned one of those storehouses out, and Tobiah, Israel's, Judah's greatest enemy, had been moved into there for accommodation. The Bible says it was a very, very great room. That means a very, very large house that he was given here. 
um, and he had moved in there and he was living in there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is just the absolute height of blasphemy, you know, right up with where Manasseh put uh, an image of, you know, a false god in the temple itself. Mm. You know, this is, and it's just like, how on earth did this happen in such a short space of time? And of course, it was disastrous Mm. for the nation um, when the nation loses, um, when they lose motivation, when they lose, you know, that positive outlook, they become discouraged, they become slack, they're like, we had such a great revival. Why bother? We're just slipping back. You know, this is what leadership, this is what bad leadership can do. Mm. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's the situation that we find ourselves in here with uh, the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah turns up. Now, you remember what happened last time Nehemiah turned up in Jerusalem? Oh, yeah. Well, he, so it was, he, it was. Doesn't muck around. He doesn't muck around. Mm. No. So Nehemiah turns up in Jerusalem. He doesn't uh, wait to get over his jet lag or anything like that. He does a night survey of the walls of Jerusalem. Mm. He figures out where he's going to build new walls because some of the wall- walls that he built were actually new walls. Maps it all out. That night, in one night, he's like, we're going to go here, 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 here. This is where it's all going to happen. Boom, 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 boom. The next morning, so the guy hasn't even slept yet. Mm. The next morning, he gathers the elders of Israel together, and within hours of that event, they are building the wall. Yeah. This is a man of action. This is not the kind of person who moves in and says, well, you know, I'm going to build up the confidence of the people. I'm going to, uh, you know, build some bridges here. And he's we'll take not a, a couple politician. Of years to- no, he's not a politician at all. He's like the absolute opposite of a politician. He walks in, it's like, we're going to do this. Good, it's done. <laughs> yeah. This time, he arrives in Jerusalem, he sees Tobiah, he's probably already heard about it back in Persia, but he sees Tobiah in the, uh, in the temple there, and when you come down to, let's go to verse 7. The Bible says, When I arrived back in Jerusalem, I learned about Eliashib's evil deed in providing Tobiah with a room in the courtyards of the temple of God. I became very upset and threw all of Tobiah's belongings out of the room. <laughs> then I, then I demanded that the room be purified. Then I brought back the articles of God uh, for brought back the articles for God's temple, the grain offering, and the frankincense. Okay, so so this is a man of zeal mm. and fervor and action, and he is not afraid of confrontation. Sounds like a parent dealing with teenagers. Pulls yeah. all their stuff out, just throws it out, like, get out of here, you're gone, <laughs> you're kicked out. <laughs> it's like he arrives in Jerusalem, he sees Tobiah living in the temple, in one of the storehouses of the temple, and on the spot, he just empties it out. He's like, yep, and who's going to do something about it? And he just chucks you know, it. Tobiah, what are you going to do? <laughs> you going to come after me? He just empties it all out, like, out, is done. This is a man of action, and I tend to think that he would not be popular in our church today. Mm. I don't think he'd be popular within Christianity today because he is a confrontationalist. Mm. And as Christians, we do not like confrontationalists. And also because he just moves so fast. We like nice people as Christians. Yeah, we like nice, We can't handle people who are not nice. Mm. But sometimes God uses people who are not nice. Mm. And we, we, we kind of work these kinds of people in a... 
out of our congregations. We can't handle them. We can't deal with them. Um, they are trouble. And so we have these ways of kind of moving them on because they're just not nice. But it's interesting because it's like it does, just because they're not particularly nice doesn't mean they're not godly. Well, this is the this is one of the things that we need to learn from this story is that okay, you get some people who are not nice and we're like, oh, that's a really, really, you know. And, and I wonder whether if we'd have been there on the time where he just rocks up and tosses all Tobias stuff out, whether we would have said, well, that wasn't a very Christian thing to do, that wasn't very winning for Tobias. Mm. You know, we do want to win Tobias. We want to win his heart. We want to lead him to God, um, and that's got not going to do anything for Tobias' salvation. Um, and we could have, you know, sat back and crossed our arms and looked at Nehemiah and gone, yeah, you know what, uh, he is, uh, yeah, he's not acting like a Christian and that's not, you know, kind of a Christian way to respond right mm. here. What do you think? I'd be interested to hear what you think as listeners. one eight hundred three two four eight four three. 324 When and how should we confront sin in the way that Nehemiah did? Mm. I'd love to, I'd love to hear from you guys because I think this is a you know it's something that we struggle with as Christianity because in Christianity we just like everybody to be nice and when people stop being nice we get really nervous mm. we get on edge. Totally. I think there's like there's like a scaling of it right like uh, in in a way that like you know you you'd have different reactions to different people you know like there's the classic saying it's like you know the perfect the perfect two year old would. You know, the, the behavior of a perfect two-year-old would be appalling if that was the behavior of a 10-year-old, you know, but the behavior of a perfect 10-year-old, that would be appalling behavior for a 20-year-old. And it's kind of this thing of, you know, obviously Nehemiah recognizes where Tobiah is at, what his intentions are, what his motivations are, and, and you know, what he knows. Like, okay, this is the guy who knows who we are. This is, the, this is the guy that tried to assassinate him. Yeah, like, this is this is not a... This is not a... This is, you know, not a... Like, hey, I, I believe, you know, in, in Nehemiah's heart, he would have been quite forgiving. But in terms of his actions and bringing about consequences on someone who has actively tried to kill him, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to deal with that lightly. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, there's another story that needs to be told here, and that is the story of Eliashib's apostasy. Mm. And we need to look at, you know, what was it that led Eliashib down this path? I mean, he's the high priest. Mm. He, he's in charge here, and we see a lot of uh, his power. You know, he remains as high priest, but his power is definitely watered down Ooh. by the actions that Nehemiah takes at this particular point. What led Eliashib to this particular point? Because I tend to think that he probably started out in a good place. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there's lessons to be learned here. And two of these lessons that I see being learned is the danger of intermarriage, not with other races, but with other faiths. Mm. Uh, intermarriage with other races is not um, an issue, particularly in New Testament times where, you know, you don't have a nation that is God's church. But intermarriage with other faiths is definitely an issue. Mm. Definitely an issue, something that we need to think seriously about. Um, and, you know, I've said this before that, you know, if you are in a relationship uh, with somebody that you're not married to, um, you know, going out with somebody and you are a Christian and they are not, 
then God has provided you the means and the opportunity to end that. It's called the telephone. <laughs> and I would encourage you to do so straight away. And the reason that I say that, and I'm dead serious about this, is that I have seen so much pain and agony mm. as a result of people marrying people either of other faiths or of no faith. I've yet to see, I mean, it is, in, no, I shouldn't say I've yet to see, but it is so incredibly rare to see anything good come out of that kind of a relationship. I'm going to rebu- I'm going to rebut and, okay. re- and rebuke uh-huh. Uh-huh. because uh-huh. I have a personal uh-huh. uh, circumstance. I know some people personally because they're related to me. It's actually my sister who started dating a guy and she was a non-Christian. And they dated a... He was a Christian and they both kind of had a really awesome conversion experience and got married as Christians by a pastor. And they're like, you know, she works for a church now. so Yeah, and there are those stories. I've got to tell you, they're rare. They are rare. And that's why, incredibly. And, and that's why I just don't recommend it under any mm. circumstances. And I'm not going to say that that situation was easy either. And, and this is one of the challenges that you'll find is that you do have these odd stories that come out like this. Mm. And so people use those good stories, great stories, and praise God for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but they use those great stories to like, yeah, I can, I can, you know, do the whole flirt to convert. Yeah. Um, and, oh man, I've seen so much pain mm. from it. They make a principle out of it anomaly. It's like. Yeah, that's it. I love what you just said. <laughs> they make a principle out of an anomaly. Yeah. Such a dangerous thing to do. Mm. And such a human thing to do. Yeah, it's so human. Um, but this has all come about because Eliashib is related by marriage to both Sam Ballot and Tobiah. Mm. Um, and that's come about because the Jews have been intermarrying with, you know, all of these people of other faiths. You know, they've just come back and they are in the process of diluting themselves and diluting the worship of God by doing so to the point where, you know, Nehemiah's attempted assassin is living in the temple. Mm. That's a lot of dilution to get that far. Oh, man, that's heavy. And, and I'll guarantee that Eliashib didn't start out that way. Like, yeah, you know what? I've got a secret agenda here to ruin Judah and to bring, you know, this assassin oh, guy in. True. He wouldn't have started out like, that way. Oh, I've, I've been really considering this. I'm actually writing a sermon about this that I'll be preaching at Raymond Terrace Mission on the 4th of January. Okay, you uh, all know where to be. 4th of January if you were on the east coast of Australia. Yeah, if you're on the East Coast, get it. But I guess a little bit of a teaser for my sermon. It's about how ultimately, like... You can come from the West as well, but yeah, I'm just saying. sure. Just come. Just come. Yeah. But um, ultimately, like, we are so deceived as people. Like, that's... Like, no one is self-aware enough to make the conscious decision, and especially Eliashiv here. He is not self-aware enough to stand there and be like, yeah, I'm going to ruin Judah by, like, as you were saying, by marrying some person. And I, like, know for a fact that it's going to destroy the place. And often, like, we read these stories or we hear people about... We hear about people doing things that we would consider apostasy or whatever, and we we tend to demonize those people. We're like, you know, and they're like, oh, it's so evil that they're doing the wrong thing. Like, mm, I've really come to the opinion um, for myself where I'm like, no, everyone is just so deceived. And that's where Eliashib is. That's the place where he's at. Like, he is the high priest. I, I dare say, like, he does love God. He cares about his job. He cares about being the high priest. He wants to see the prosperity of Judah. But 
in the small way that he is, he is deceived in this sense that he's like, oh, yeah, but it'll be okay if I go and marry someone of another faith. But it's bringing total ruin to the nation. He didn't make the conscious decision to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to ruin the entire nation by marrying someone from a different faith. But rather, like, he is just deceived as a sinful human being. Like, and, uh, and yeah, we see that the, the events unfolding of, like, then, you know, it's just gone so far because of that. And Tobiah, and, you know, Tobiah is living in the storehouse. And we could reflect that back on Eliashib and say, like, oh, wow, Eliashib's so evil. But it's just not. He's just some guy who just wanted to marry a chick who... Did well, well, it wasn't actually even Elisha's marriage. It was the marriage of his um, family members. Oh, yeah, true. There you go. Yeah. And, and, of course, you know, you, you, you have your family members around for a meal. You get to know them. You start to think, okay, they're not such bad people. And, you know, that's what's going to happen. Mm. And, uh, and, 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 of course, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, Uncle Elisha, you know, this is, you know, and they're going to put the pressure on and the pressure builds up. And sooner or later, this is where you end up. Mm. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, continue on. Where do we get up to? Do we get up to verse 10? Yes. Yes, uh, we do. Get, give us 10 to 14. Okay, uh, Nehemiah chapter 13, um, 10 to 14. I also discovered that the Levites had not been given their prescribed portions of food. So they and the singers who were um, who were to conduct the worship services had all returned to, the, to work their fields. I immediately confronted the leaders and demanded, why has the temple of God been neglected? Then I called all the Levites back to, and restored them to their proper duties. And once more, and once more, all the people of Judah began bringing their tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the temple storerooms. I assigned supervisors for the storerooms, <laughs> Shelemiah the priest, Zadok the scribe, uh, Pediah one of the Levites, and I appointed Hanan, the son of Zakur, and the grandson of Mataniah as their assistant. These men had an excellent reputation, and it was their job to make honest distributions to their fellow Levites. Okay, so this is the room that Tobiah has used as a house. Yeah. was a storeroom for tithe. Mm-hmm. That's what it was used for. Mm-hmm. The way that tithe was returned in those days was not in cash or mm. coin. Um, they didn't go down to the bank and do an electronic transfer. Well, they didn't set up an, an automatic electronic transfer like, you know, um, my wife has done, which, mm. you know, X amount comes out of my account every week or every payday, whatever that is. I wouldn't have the faintest idea. And just, you know, automatically is returned as tithe. Mm. And I think that is the, the greatest way because it's consistent. You don't have to worry about it. Um, you're never going to miss it. And it is always going to happen as a first priority, and I think returning our tithes should always be a first mm. priority. Um, and we do live in that kind of world where cash is pretty much a thing of the past. But yeah, they didn't uh, return tithe in any of those ways. The way that they returned tithe in those ways was produce. Mm. And so it was a tenth of whatever your increase was. And so they had fairly large storehouses to deal, deal with the produce that was brought in. And that produce would then be distributed to the Levites, so that the Levites did not have to involve themselves in agriculture. Mm. They were to be the the full-time uh, teachers, counsellors, social workers. Mm. This was a system that no other ancient nation had. Yeah. You know, think about, think about any ancient nation that had full-time social workers. Yeah, isn't that crazy? You know, it just didn't exist. Mm. 
Whereas in the nation of Judah and Israel before that, they had full-time social workers that were a very significant portion of the population Mm. that were employed by the nation for that purpose. And so, of course, when Tobiah moves into this room, people become discouraged. They're like, like the assassin of our country has just moved in. Mm. And when people become discouraged with their church, the very first thing they do is pull their resources. They yeah, pull their money. Wow. And the tithe plummets. That's exactly what's happened. There's, they don't even need this room anymore. Uh, Tobias got it to himself. Anyway, more about this in just a moment. This is Sandra Enderman with Faithful Men. We need more of them. Welcome back to Faith FM, continuing on with our time in Encounter with God. We're going through our Bible study of Nehemiah chapter 13, but before we do, we just have to do another clue for the quiz. Okay, who am I? God, 
Yep, go. Uh, God called. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who am I? God called to me from within a fiery bush. From a burning fiery bush. Yeah. Okay, who spoke to somebody from a burning bush? If you know the answer, you know what number to give no, us a call. one eight hundred three two four eight four three. 324 843 Lyle, no. Who was spoken to by a fiery bush? That was God at the same time. Yeah, okay, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, 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 you all know the answer to this one, so just give us a call. What you were saying, it's like, who spoke to someone from a fiery bush? I'm like, God? <laughs> like, <laughs> ah. uh, okay, so we need to talk about the uh, we need to talk about the app. Oh yeah, the app. We haven't talked about the app yet. We need to talk about the app, but we need to do it this time because some people we usually do it earlier in the show, and some people miss it, so we're mm. doing it now rather than earlier. Okay. okay, so the app is amazing. Yes, the app works like this: if you've got a dodgy signal, or if you're driving in and out of signal, or if you. Uh, listening to the delayed broadcast, the solution to all of that is to download the Faith FM Australia app. And then you just run it through your phone, you run it through your Bluetooth, the download that it uses is absolutely negligible, Mm. and you can have perfect signal all over the world. So that's the first thing we need to say about the app. The second thing we need to say about the app is that the app is full of good things. Mm. Uh, The best of John Bradshaw, the best of Lloyd Grolleman, the best of uh, all of the famous presenters on Faith FM. The best of the Breakfast Show. Lawson. The best of the, <laughs> uh, the best of yeah. Well, uh, yes, indeed, the best of Lawson Walters. Um, so all of these things are um, available right there on the app, and so much more. There is opportunities to connect with us. You can donate. You can send messages. You can uh, send in your questions of the day. Do whatever you want on the app. Just just get on there, download the thing, have a look, go nuts, and it's going to be amazing. It will be. Yes. Yes, it will. Okay, so we need to uh, continue on with our study. We were talking about the system of tithes and offerings and how they returned their tithes and offerings through produce mm. back in the day. And as a result of, you know, basically the nation just became discouraged. Mm-hmm. Bad leadership, the nation becomes discouraged, the people start to fall away from God, um, things go downhill, and so the Levites are forced out into the fields. Mm. Now, in an agrarian society where you are, where you know, the majority of people are subsistence farmers, mm. it's not difficult to be a subsistence farmer, but it does require constant work and planning, and you need to stay on top of it. Mm. You can't be distracted as a subsistence farmer. It's something where you will need to work on it six days a week. Yeah, fully. You need to do something six days a week to be a subsistence farmer. Now, of course, there was a lot of trade happening in those days as well. Um, We understand that, uh, particularly them being Jewish people, just uh, famous, famous traders. Uh, However, because of the tithe had dried up, the Levites like, you know what, I need to eat. And so they were out farming. Yeah. And so the whole social system was beginning to break down. Mm. No longer did you have social workers. No longer did you have counselors. No longer did you have ministers. No longer did you have teachers. Um, your schools are being neglected. Your synagogues are kind of empty. 
um, or devoid of you know people who are actually qualified to run them. This is what, in a very short space of time, has taken place. You know, all because of Eliashib's corruption, really. Yeah, the harboring of like one dude. Yeah, you know, just letting him stay in. Like, for there's so many circumstances. Like, oh, you just let some guy Man, stay in a could- room, but there's like so much context here that's just like ruining the place. Think of the allegories you can draw out of this story. You know, I'm thinking the your wheels body are is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm. You let one nasty dude into one room of your body as the temple, into your mind. You got, you know, your, bra- your, your, your brain is made of rooms. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to keep all of these rooms, you know, there for God. But in one room, I'm going to have a little bit of self. Oh, wow. Mm. So you open that room up, you let self move into that room. And what happens? The whole thing becomes mm. corrupted. Heaps of allegories. Yeah, here. fully. I'm just, I'm just seeing a sermon. Coming yeah, out of this one. It's like, yeah, wow. He's, got, he's like, he's writing now. He's like, oh, yep, this got is notes. This is it. This is it right here. Yeah, but oh, Tobiah. But it's just been as we've been studying through the book of Nehemiah. Do you have it's been fantastic. who is the Tobiah in your life? <laughs> <laughs> who do you need to boot out? Of your life right now. Oh, man, Open so that room in your brain room. and just sweep it clean and then fill it. Okay, so notice what notice what he does. He doesn't leave that room empty and clean, does he? No. Oh, so the not. allegory continues because you don't want to re- leave any empty rooms in your house because the Bible says that if you leave an empty room in your brain that, uh, you know, the demon that was demon kicked out. Demon seeing that, you know, come back sevenfold. And yeah, he's like, hey, yeah. mates, let's have a party in here and, and seven of them turn up. Mm. Nehemiah doesn't leave the room empty. Mm. He moves in all of the vessels of God. And, of course, these were would, would have been storage containers that had been sanctified, set apart for a holy purpose for the use of storing, you know, the tithe and the produce that was given to the uh, nation, to, to, to the Levites from the nation of Judah. Uh, and he fills it with good things. Mm. So, and this is an important principle right here. If you're going to move thing, bad things out of your life, you can't leave a vacuum. If you look yeah, at your life wow. and say, okay, this is a bad thing, this is a negative thing, this thing needs to go out of my life, you can't leave a vacuum. You have to fill it with, replace it with good things. It's like, you know, if you try and change your diet, let's say you're like, yep, I'm going to become a, I'm going to, I'm going to do th- some good things here. I'm going to, uh, change my diet. I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to go to a plant based diet. And so you cut out all of the meat out of your diet. And that's all you do. You just cut the meat out. Mm. You're not going to make it. No, you're not. What you've got to do is say, I'm going to cut all the meat out and I'm going to replace it with lettuce. Yes. No. I like lettuce. It's one of my favourite veggies. I can I can sit down and eat an iceberg lettuce in one sitting just by myself. Just you know what sit I've there been, and eat an iceberg lettuce. Dude, raw raw um raw broccoli. I've been getting super into that, hey. Raw broccoli is amazing. It's really good. Little trees. Who wouldn't want to eat little trees? You know? It's the there best. Um and it actually is really, really good for you. Whereas when you eat lettuce, I think it takes more energy to eat than what it actually gives to you. <laughs> It's good for you. It has lots of good things in it. But uh, you can't live on it, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, you need to replace whatever it is that you're getting rid of. You need to replace it with something good else you'll never stick with it. Fully. So clean the old stuff out, move the new stuff in. Okay, then he does some more things here. And that is that he appoints all of these different people 
Um, he made treasures over the treasuries. Um, Shelemiah the priest and Zadok the scribe and the Levites. And next to him was Hanan and the son of Zachar and the son of Mathai, for they were counted faithful and their office was to distribute to their brethren. So this had been the work of Eliashib. And it's like, okay, Eliashib, you've lost the privilege of being in charge of all this stuff. Mm. These guys are moving in. They have a good reputation. Your reputation is very tarnished. Yes, you stay as high priest. You found forgiveness and you found grace in the eyes of God. That's great. Uh, but because of you know past experiences, you have lost the confidence of the people, and so these are going to be the consequences. And so these other guys come in to take over a lot of the work that had been his responsibility in the past. This is lower lights. He will take you by the hand, lead you to that promised land. Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? When you strayed from the fold and there's trouble in your soul, can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? When your soul is lost in sin and you're at your journey's end, can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? Calling you. Calling you. Calling you. Calling you. Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? Seventh-day Adventist Youth. We meet every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. for an open discussion about Bible topics concerning our youth today. We're open to everyone wanting to join us, and we'd love to see you there. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? 
a relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Welcome back, guys. That was Keith and Kristen Getty, Jesus, Joy of the Highest Heaven. You're listening to Faith FM. All right, Lawson, question of the daytime. What have you got for us? All right. All right. All right, Lyle. Yeah. Is a home church... Okay, is your home church a true biblical church? Ah, that's a really interesting question. Okay, so... um, we have to ask ourselves this um, really, uh, you know, what 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 is church? Do you have to have a church building? Do you have to have a church building for it to be a church? Um, do you have to have, you know, if you're not worshiping in a in a consecrated church building, does that mean that it's not a church and that it is not a valid place of worship? What you're going to find is that there have been many different places of worship that have existed down through the centuries. If we go back to the time of the Israelites, in fact, if we let's go back to the time of uh, the uh, Adam and Eve. And the central place of worship was the altar. And that remained, you know, the family altar remained the center of the place of worship for, you know, many generations, for even thousands of years. Down the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that was where worship centered. It centered around the family altar where sacrifices were offered. Then you come to the time of the Israelites. They come out of Egypt. And the Bible says that, you know, clearly, like as in beforehand, they were to worship and gather together for worship every Sabbath. The center of that place of worship was the temple, but that was not where you would go for community. Um, And so they worshiped in community in their tents on the Sabbath day. And so here you've got tents, which were effectively homes that were used used as places of worship. When you come down to the time of Jesus, of course, you have the whole synagogue system, which was very closely related to our modern day church. It was a place of teaching, and that was where you would go on the Sabbath day. You would go there to learn the scriptures on the Sabbath day. Um, and you would, you know, you'd sit around and you would all discuss the scriptures together. Um, you'd read a passage, you'd have a discussion about that passage and what it meant and so forth. You know, quite similar to, you know, for instance, our small group Bible studies that we would have in a church on a Saturday or Sunday morning. From there, uh, the early Christians moved on. They did not have synagogues. Uh, they initially met in homes. So if we go to Acts chapter 2, uh, let me just have a look at a couple of examples here. Acts chapter 2 and verse 46. The Bible says they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and ate their meat with or their food with gladness and singleness of heart. And so they were worshipping from house to house. If you go down to the very end of the book of Acts, well, not the very end, but a long way towards the end, down in chapter 20 and verse 20, the Bible says, uh, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to both Jews and also to the Greeks. And so what we find is that the early places of worship were houses. They were homes and or synagogues. And so you would find in some cities where the majority of people became Christians, uh, the synagogue would be, you know, continue to be a place of worship, but you know, Christian uh, concepts would be studied and taught there rather than just Jewish um, concepts and ideas. And so from there, the idea of church began to grow. And of course, you know, people then started to build cathedrals, traditions came in, and you had some churches that were more holy than other churches. Uh, by the time you get down to the 3rd and 4th century, they're starting to place churches on sacred sites 
as a way of remembering those sacred sites, and they were seen as being pilgrimage areas. Uh, the religion is becoming more external and less internal. You've got uh, churches, you've got temples that are being converted into churches, and so a lot of pagan temples, um, and you can find some churches even today that were once pagan temples and now they are used as a Christian church. A lot of that, of course, then led to the use of the images. And so they took a lot of those images out of those temples and they gave them saintly names. And you had some churches that would be a church and some churches that would be a cathedral. All of this has grown out of tradition. Church is great, and having a dedicated place of worship is a fantastic idea. We see it honored by Jesus in the Bible but so much that has become attached to it is just from tradition. We need to be careful between what is tradition and what is actually mandated and given us example by God.
Welcome back, guys. That was Sarah Groves with When the Saints. You're listening to Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show, which means that we are about to give something away for free. And our free gift gift for today is going to be, uh, let me see, what is the one called? Love's Lies, God's Replies by Dustin Hall. It's got a uh, interesting cover here, a a rose that is half dead and half alive on two different sides of the page. Since God created love, sex, romance, true love is a reflection of his character. For this reason, enemy has devised a diabolical plan to steal love's true identity. And if you don't believe that's the case, then wait for a question of the day tomorrow, question that's come in from a listener that we will answer here on air. Um, which really looks into some of these um, love's lies that are prevalent in our world today. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, relationships are one of the quickest ways that you can destroy your life. Anyway, if you would like to uh, receive this book for free by Dustin Hall, Love's Lies, God's Replies, then give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or text us on 0491-064-669 and it will be yours absolutely free. And don't forget that if you want to know more about the Bible, we would love to connect you with people who can study the Bible with you. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus today.
Let's go.